What's life and time with Harry Slime, motherfucker? So how's your week, Shane? Uh, it's, it's always terrible, really. <laughs> uh, you know, I check. Um, there's a Twitter account called um, "Is Henry Kissinger Dead Yet?" And usually, <laughs> every like Monday, like I'll sit down uh, Monday morning, have coffee, kind of look at the weather, your usual kind of routine. But then I have to check: Did Henry Kissinger die painfully in agony? And that kind of sets the tone for the week. So I've been having everything sucks and it's been terrible <laughs> for fucking years since like yeah, the only, 1930s. Only a prick like him would be that old and make it through COVID unscathed. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you're a ghoul like that, you just don't. I, I, he's immune. He'll probably die one day peacefully in his bed at the age of like 272. Uh, and that's just, <laughs> it's unfortunate. But. I, uh, what, if, what if it's like worst case scenario and he ends up living long enough to where like they can just like successfully put him in his, his head in a jar, you know, Futurama style or whatever the cryogenic shit that they're doing. Fuck. And we just never, we never see a world without Henry Kissinger ever again. I'm really like, you know, part of me wants to live to see, uh, technological advancements, you know? Uh, yeah. Just see, like you know, like that Star Trek post scarcity utopia bullshit. But uh, I'm also afraid that if we advance too quickly, yeah, that'll happen. Like he'll kind of eke his way in to some <laughs> form of like sick immortality, and we'll have to deal with him forever. And really, I can't imagine a hell worse than that. So, in some ways, global warming could be pretty advantageous for us. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I did see that there was, uh, you know, there was big news on Twitter about an ice shelf the size of London that had broken off of like the Antarctic, I believe, ice, ice shelf or something. And, you know, given the fact of what we have been talking about beforehand, needless to say, bring it the fuck on. Like, you know what? I, I like, you know how people are like lighting uh, their gas stoves and protest to the government right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bro, everybody go like everybody go buy a bunch of like those old axe bottles. You're not going to use them for cologne anyways, and just take them outside, put a lighter in front of it, and just spray and just spray it into the house. <laughs> yeah, as many aerosols as you can get. Just go, just tape tape the little the plastic bit down. Just leave them outside to just empty themselves. Dude, uh, let's we make- can't. We can't let Henry Kissinger survive. <laughs> let's, let, let's make let's kill Henry Kissinger and let's make the entire earth smell like Axe body spray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but any world without Henry Kissinger is, is pretty good, even if it smells like fucking Axe. Yeah, no, I, you that's know, a net I'd good. Be cool to, go ahead. Were you gonna say something? No, I just said that's a net good. You know, like even uh, even if like half the world is underwater, if Henry Kissinger's dead still in that good it's true well and like it'd be pretty cool like 
sometime in the future the aliens come and you know we have to like yo do you have your masks what, what are you talking about what mask here put the mask on trust me you don't want to breathe into the axe like it's crazy like our <laughs> our grandparents did this and it was fucking wild i like it's the world we don't have henry kissinger though so that's good and, like the that's what like settles the peace with the aliens they're like okay we won't blow you guys up then <laughs> hey, your planet smells like shit but Henry Kissinger's dead, so I guess you can be enveloped in our intergalactic consortium of races. I think I think you're ready. Yeah, that's how that's how we ascend. That's getting to the next level. <laughs> I can't fucking wait. Henry Kissinger dead. Space travel. Henry mm-hmm. Kissinger dead. Our lives become less like corporate or worker drone style kind of thing and more like an episode of Firefly, which I'm cool with. Yeah, and uh, alien, so yeah. I'm just gonna address the elephant in the room for everybody, but we get to fuck aliens. <laughs> you know, speaking of avatars in theaters, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fuck. why James Cameron wants us to go see that movie, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Dude, his own fan fiction. I'm sure. I'm sure that they do. I, okay. So I, I got to ask you a question about this because it's like, I mean, I haven't seen the second one, but I feel like we've both seen the first one before because it kind of came out, you know, in that era where like, you know, we just kind of went to the movies a lot. And how do you feel? And maybe maybe you've picked up on this. Maybe you haven't. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't I don't know how big this is, but there seems to be this certain thing within the leftist community where they're like trying to frame the Avatar movie as like basically a metaphor for like, you know, all these huge, gigantic causes. And like, it's way more of like a leftist movie than you actually realize, because it's like very like, you know, anti you know, military or anti-colonization or yada, yada, yada. I'm willing to give them that like a Studio Ghibli film that has like themes in it. I think it would be kind of, you know, silly to think that it doesn't. From what I remember, I just thought it was Pocahontas in fucking space, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I think I I haven't seen the second one either. And um, I probably fucking won't because yeah. uh, I got other shit to do like. I don't know, watch like X-Files for like the 400th time, um, jerk off. Uh, I could think of a number of things to do. All the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of liken it to the whole way back when, I think in the early 90s, when we were just toddlers in the um, was the, 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 the mytho-poet, whatever that men's movement was where like they had to like, they didn't realize capitalism was the problem, but they thought that their disconnection from like society and and manhood could only be cured by co-opting like native like you know rituals you know they were like oh yeah like you're depressed and you, what you need to do um is actually you need to go do like a drum circle with a bunch of other dudes and then I'll cure it you know i think it's the same same thing with avatar they're just ripping off some like polynesian culture and like saying like yeah we're reviving it we're we're bringing it back we're trying to bring awareness like that's just not maybe that's not the right vehicle for it um i also think the movies are just about wanting to fuck aliens so once again it's about just everybody just wants to fuck an alien right 
Yeah, I mean, like Mass Effect wouldn't have put that as like content in the game if people didn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, that game really tapped into like some inner desire that we all have. Uh, <laughs> fuck an alien. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like that's for some reason EA of all people. Like or no, what Bioware? Excuse me, Bioware. Bioware of all people this is just like I know what our target audience is, and we're gonna sell it to them. <laughs> you like to shoot shit? You like to fly around in space? You like to fuck aliens? Hey, pal, we got a game for you. <laughs> I mean, luckily those are universals. I think everybody falls mm-hmm. into that category of wanting to fuck an alien. <laughs> you know it honestly the experience does sound kind of cool like i mean i hate to use this word but it does seem accurate it does seem like it would be otherworldly i know that's a little obvious but like yeah like i i just i feel like out of that experience like you know you're you're gonna have some new uh ideas new uh some new avenues to get you to a different route. Hey, I mean, who knows? Like, maybe you, maybe you stick your dick inside of the alien, and then, like, it's, like, orifice or whatever, just, like, then, like, swallows your bottom half, and you have to, like, jump fuck the alien. <laughs> like... That sounds kind of dangerous. I don't know. I think I'd want my alien sex to be a little, a little less perilous myself. But, that's fair that's fair but yeah, again that's that's i think that's wanna... the, the magic of it you know is like given how diverse life can be especially on a galactic scale there's something for everybody there's an <laughs> alien fucking experience for everybody dude what you don't you, you don't want to come out of your first alien sexual experience looking like you got slimed on nickelodeon <laughs> Slimed, slightly traumatized. Uh, yeah. a couple Your of eyes are dilated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that guy just fucked an alien, or he did cocaine and decided to go back to the 90s Nickelodeon era. <laughs> what a cool guy. Dude, speaking of random side thought, um, you know... Hollywood producers and cocaine go together like peanut butter and jelly. That's true. Can you imagine like coked out producers on like the set of like slime timeline, <laughs> just trying to get all those kids in order and just like, all right, all right, everybody. <laughs> just like, Jerry, you got to reel that in, man. They cannot see the monkey energy. Okay. 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 Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh dude i mean it's really funny because like okay i'm here's a good do you know don simpson uh no don simpson was a hollywood producer um who was a notorious drug fiend okay like on a level that's just staggering oh by the way life and time with harry slime and with shane obviously you know cold open Anyways, back to it. Suck our dicks. No, I'm kidding. 
Um, but Dom, Don, uh, not Dom, Don Simpson, here's his Wikipedia page. He, he was like a buddy with like Jerry Bruckheimer and he did like Beverly Hills Cop, Top Gun, The Rock. I mean, he did some like really big movies, but I really want to know. I'm really curious. Did he do a kid's movie? I don't think that he did. No, there's no way they allowed him to be around children. That's hilarious. I think the closest thing is maybe Flashdance. <laughs> Let's say his drug total was $60,000 uh, annually. Yeah, we're going to read this. All right. Oh, Check this what out. What the fuck? On January 19th, 1996, Simpson was found dead in the bathroom of, of his Bel Air, Los Angeles home. His death was initially attributed to natural causes. An autopsy and toxicology report later determined that Simpson had died of heart failure caused by a combined drug intoxication. Parentheses, cocaine and prescription medications. In parentheses. At the time of his death, there were 21 different drugs in his system, including antidepressants, stimulants, sedatives, and tranquilizer. In 1996, investigative reporter Chuck Phillips of the Los Angeles Times revealed that Simpson had been obtaining large quantities of prescription drugs from 15 different doctors and the police found 2200 prescription pills lined up in alphabetical order in his bedroom closet <laughs> holy shit wow in alphabetical order too mm -hmm. A 1998 book by journalist Charles Fleming reported that Simpson's prescription drug expenses totaled more than $60,000 a month at the time of his death. He called Simpson a supercharged, simple-minded creature, an Aesop's fable on crystal meth. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild, dude. Wow, dude that he, is... was a, he was a professional drug addict. Like, <laughs> I just imagined he had, like, like your grandma's like daily pill containers, you know, you just had everything set up for like, you know, time of day, mood. He was just a connoisseur of pills. Uh -huh. People thought like Hunter S. Thompson was on some shit. This guy makes him look like a like a, a an amateur, like a complete amateur. He really does. Dude, check this out. Simpson refused to admit himself into a traditional rehab facility. In 1995, he employed Dr. Stephen Ammerman to help him with his addiction. Ammerman, who had a history of drug abuse himself, believed that in order for Simpson to quit drugs, he had to use other drugs to combat the painful withdrawal syndromes. Ammerman designed what he just called a dangerously unorthodox detox program, which included several medications, including morphine for Simpson to take it home. In 1995, Ammerman died of what was later determined to be an accidental overdose of cocaine, Valium, venlafaxine, and morphine. Holy shit. He's not wrong. I mean, that's hair of the dog, I guess. You know, like, if you have a cocaine problem, if you do a bunch of morphine... Yeah, you probably won't be addicted to cocaine. Maybe misguided, uh, but um, I see where he's coming from. Yeah, no, th this uh, this is a wild, wild, wild man. <laughs> Simpson was known for his brash personality, provocative comments, and questionable claims. Of director S Steven Spielberg, Simpson said, "I'm surprised for a smart Jew as he's as white bread as he is." <laughs> 
<laughs> Hold on, that next quote though. I actually agree with that. <laughs> yeah, no, he he later said uh any person who suggested David Lynch for Dune should have every part of their anatomy examined. <laughs> I mean, yeah, not not what a weird fucking decision to make. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you saw like you watched a racer head and you're like, wait, this guy should this guy should do that that Dune book. <laughs> that sci-fi. What? Why? Yeah, dude. You watched Eraserhead, and then you watched his like pretty heavy emotional drama about a guy who's disfigured, and you were like, "Bro, let's turn him into George Lucas. Let's make him do like fucking sci-fi." <laughs> Real, yeah, he he can he can be the next George Lucas. No, he no, he cannot. <laughs> no, even this fucking guy, fucking brain oddled with you know all types of fucking pills was like who the fuck why would you do that yeah <laughs> consummate professional for real you know what shout out don simpson you're you're pretty gangster man pretty fucking gangster and and yeah like and and like no disrespect to you know lynch as a director he's obviously great he's got some great movies and some uh twin peaks is excellent you know but He's just not it. He's just not the guy for that. He's just not the guy for that type of movie. And I, yeah, I've heard the new Dune is like pretty fucking great. I haven't seen it though. Have you seen it? Yeah, I watched it. It's not bad. It's um, it's it's a little bland, but I also think just adapting any of those like sci-fi classics like that is kind of a difficult task to do. But um, soundtrack's all right. One of those big Hans Zimmer metallic gooses, you know? Yeah. Okay. A lot of the I, going on and stuff. I will say they did nail the aesthetic. It's big, big, like brutalist architecture. Uh, definitely, definitely tracks for what you'd expect for that kind of like Dune vibe. So. Who who directed that? Is that a uh, uh, Denise villain? Whatever his weird ass. Yeah, yeah, Villeneuve. What with that fucking guy? Yeah, I fucks with his work. He's got some good shit, dude. I I have you ever seen Sicario from him? Uh, I have not. Um, but I did watch. Oh, go ahead. Oh, you're good. Go ahead. What were you gonna say, bud? I have watched. Uh, uh he did. Blade Blade Runner twenty forty nine. That and, shit's uh, tight. I do f- fucking you know what like Ryan Ryan Gosling whatever. But damn, I love fucking Blade Runner. Those huge wide ass fucking vista shots, the color palettes. Um, you mm-hmm. know the the soundtrack. I mean, it's not quite. It's Hans Zimmer again, which again just you know you get the big metallic goose. Uh, and, and of course, like you can't like it's going to be hard to beat the original Evangelist one. But uh, I do love that movie. I, I agree with you that that movie is literally just beautiful. I mean, it just has this. There's such beautiful color palette. The cinematography is beautiful. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything you said. And like because you like that, 
dude watch Sicario because Sicario is him directing. So you got like that vibe and Roger Deakins, the guy that does like the cinematography for like the Coen brothers and like Paul Thomas Anderson on the fucking cameras. It is one of the most beautifully shot fucking it. Like I'm not even an action movie guy, really. It's not really my thing, but it is like fucking retarded good. Like it's a Taylor Sheridan script. I don't know if you know him, but he does like he's like a really, 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 really good writer. He does uh uh Hell or High Water. He he's done like he does like the Yellowstone shows. He he does like all kinds Tulsa King, he does that, which is like everybody's new big fucking thing. Highly recommend Sicario, dude. It's got like these uh it's got Josh Brolin, Benicio del Toro, uh Emily Blunt. And it's uh I think you'll like the uh the political angle of it too. Um I think you'll appreciate that. Um and I mean, like I said, you'll really enjoy the cinematography. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna add that to my list once I finish my my Wes Anderson run through. Oh, are you going through all the Wes Anderson? Yeah, I figured I don't know. I, I watched uh his most recent one, um, fuck, the fuck was the name of it? Um, I gotta pull it up. Uh, I saw fuck, it. In... I, not Isle of Dogs. No, no, uh, French Dispatch. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, ugh, I don't know. I um, I thought that one was a little disappointing. Um, mm-hmm. Isle of Dogs was was cool. Um, and I, you know, Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom. All, all classics. Um, yeah. Going back to like the Royal Tenenbaums, but um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta finish one. up. Um, I watched Bottle Rocket, his first okay. film, and uh, right. honestly, surprisingly good. It doesn't have quite like the color palettes you come to expect from a Wes Anderson film, but the cinematography is different, definitely there. Uh, you could you see his love of uh, symmetry in that one, which is pretty cool. Definitely, de- yeah, uh, definitely. Um, but I think I don't know who does the cinematography for that one. I don't think it's the same. Maybe it is the same guy. But um, yeah, I finally got caught up on that. And I got to do Rushmore, and um, shit. I think that's maybe that's it. Maybe the Darjeeling, the train one. I gotta watch that one. Ah, I, I, that's. I think that's one of the few that I haven't seen. Um, I don't think I don't think I've seen Rushmore. I don't think I've seen Dar Healing Unlimited or whatever. Uh, I think that's what it's called. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, I respect like Wes Anderson's a great filmography to go through. Um, I, I I mean, honestly, like I, the other Anderson's not a bad route if you haven't gone through his shit, because I feel like you dig the fuck out of his filmography, too. But Paul Thomas Anderson's shit is like fucking that's really that's a good start have you ever how many paul thomas anderson films have you seen um off the top of my head i'm not i'm not sure what um he did like uh there will be blood um let's see magnolia boogie nights um let's see here uh inherent vice um let me see i gotta i gotta look this up He's got some really good ones. Yeah, I've seen There Will Be Blood. I think everybody, I remember that was a huge, that was a huge fucking movie. And then, um, that, that oh, he, hard yeah, ass. he did Punch Drunk Love. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, he did that that licorice pizza movie mm-hmm. with uh mm-hmm. with the fucking. I haven't seen that one. It's um, <laughs> it's not bad. It's just it's 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 got that girl from fucking Haim, you know. And uh, oh. I, just, I can't look. I'm gonna. I'm coming out and saying it. I fucking hate Haim. I hate that <laughs> fucking band. I hate that fucking shit. I hate their goddamn music. I feel it, dude. I feel it. Um, for Paul Thomas Anderson, <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> I'd I'd recommend. Um, if you haven't seen it, Boogie Nights is great. Just because, like. It's an excellent, like what I'd call like hard turn movie, because like the first half of the movie is just a total like kick ass, like hell yeah, movie kind of a dude's rock kind of vibe. And then like something tragic happens and the rest of the movie is just like depressing and horrifying as fuck. And it's honestly pretty fucking solid for a biopic about a porn star. It's I, I recommend. Um inherent vices is, is like not his best, but I think you'll dig the vibes because it's basically a drama that it's basically a drama written about like the dude kind of in a weird way. Like the main character is like a pot smoking detective who solves a mystery that really isn't a mystery and it's it's got some it's just it, to me it feels like Paul Thomas Anderson doing a big Lebowski movie. And it's it's comes off of like a novel, but like I've heard that the novel kind of has that vibe too. I don't know. Either way, I don't think it's a bad movie. I just don't think it's his best. Um, I also recommend uh, The Master just because that's like one of the last movies that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman did. And it's also kind of cool because it's uh, it's one of the last movies that Philip Seymour Hoffman did. And he's basically doing a character that's heavily inspired by L. Ron Hubbard. And like it's like in L. Ron Hubbard's heyday. Yeah, I think um, I think I've seen bits and pieces of that about it. He just he plays a cult leader. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got Joaquin Phoenix in it. As- yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. that's a good that's a good fucking movie. Um, I, which I guess you could say about anything that has Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. Big respect. Yeah, rest in peace. I dude, that was like. Uh, oh, go ahead. That, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, that was like when I moved to Cincinnati, that was like my big, like, uh, I guess, like nerd out is like my apartment was like down the street from the library. And I would just like go and watch like I'd rent like three, four five movies at a time. And I mean, I, I, I like I feel like we watched like a decent amount of movies when we hung out when we were younger. And like me working at like a video store, I would like come home with shit all the time too. And so like, I just, with that period, I just started like, I I've dude, I, I think I've seen every Orson Welles film. I'm pretty sure I've seen all of the Coen brothers movies. And I think they're over like 20 at this point. Uh, like I've, I, I mean, I like just the amount of films that like, it's stupid. It's stupid, man. I've yeah, watched quite too many a, movies. Quite a feat. It's just one like I got really into because like I I mean we've talked about it before. Like I I well, I know we talked about it in the past, but like I always was interested in writing like uh you know that TV show and shit. And so I like I kind of wanted to absorb as much knowledge as I could from like the masters, if you will. 
And like, so I started like watching all the old like Scorsese movies, the ones that like weren't as big as the other ones. And like, you know, just kind of getting into uh, Peck and Paul, Peck and Paul. Holy shit, dude, that guy is fucking, he's a really good director, but man, he makes some fucking dark fucking movies. Um, uh, fucking Altman, Robert Altman's another good one. And I mean, I'll say it, he sucks as a person, but like Woody Allen can fucking make a great goddamn comedy. It's <laughs> true. God, it, it's it fucking it's it's and and like even his like what I give a, like Woody credit for is he's he makes some good comedies, but like his cinematography is usually always on point too. Like Manhattan, even though I abhorrently disagree with what the story is about. Like that opening sequence where it's just like the, the 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 New York City skyline is like beautiful with that like George Gershwin playing and it's just like oh my god it's beautiful like I've never wanted to live in New York until I saw that scene and I was like wow that's that's like cool as fuck yeah, and I uh, I owe a lot of that to you uh, remember like you introduced me to um, Chinatown and Roman Polanski in general Chinatown Rosemary's Baby. Um, yeah, I bet China I bet, sounds so good, dude. I bet Roman Polanski never did anything bad. He's probably a good guy, right? <laughs> it can't all be. Oh shit! Oh wait, hold on. I'm googling him. Oh fuck! <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> oh lord, it sucks too because he's like literally a Holocaust survivor, and you're like, you want to be like, oh wow, I I feel bad for you, and then you read further into his Wikipedia, and you're like. Oh, yeah. oh, wait. The farther you scroll, it just gets real bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, well, maybe. Uh, well, Rosemary's Baby was great. Chinatown, great. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Mac- he did that Macbeth, real good stuff. Yeah. Even if he's kind of an asshole. Dude, I, uh, you know who, like, he gets a lot of credit for The Godfathers, but like Coppola had some good ass movies in the fucking 70s that, yeah. Like Apocalypse Now and the conversation and shit. Yeah, he was like, that was some a, good stuff. A, a titan of that era. Mm-hmm. I fucks with him. Um, all right. I guess we'll do plugs real quick and uh we'll uh you cool with another episode? Always. Hell yeah. All right. Life and time on Instagram and Facebook, uh casual relapse, uh the um Uh, music video or lyric videos are out on youtube check them out like and subscribe on that give us five stars on spotify and apple Podcasts wherever you're listening i know we got some new fans from the Stuart lee episode shane gandalf astat on motherfucking twitter or instagram i'm stupid um and uh primetime harry slime for me on instagram y'all have a good evening (laughs) 